Hi, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Jill. It is our November books pick episode, y'all. Let me tell you, November is an excellent month for books. There are so many good ones coming out. And on today's episode, my coworker Emma joined me and we talk about some of the amazing, amazing books coming out in November. Um, it's a, it's a big episode. There's a lot of big books. So we're gonna make this a short and sweet intro. Um, if you want to get a hold of us, you can go to our, the website, professionalbooknerds.com. We are on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at ProBookNerds. And you can always email us at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. Um, I think I mentioned this a few weeks ago. Don't remember. Time has no meaning. But you can start, you know, if you have filled out your professional book nerds reading challenge from 2021 feel free to send those in we've started to get a couple um I think that's it yeah like I said big episode with lots of good books I'm so excited so I hope you enjoyed this episode of the professional book nerds podcast Hi, Emma. Hi, Jill. How are you? Good. I'm so excited to have you on today. I'm so excited to be here. I feel like I got a really good topic today, (laughs) so I'm pumped. You do. You do. Yeah. So it is our November books preview, um, and we're going to, we got, we got a lot of good books. There's a lot of good books coming out in November. Yeah. I feel like more than usual as well. Well, I feel like a lot have been pushed. <laughs> so. Yeah. So, yeah. So caveat, because there are a couple of, of books that, I mean, we can give you the dates. They may change. <laughs> I know. I I remember Adam and I did that back at the beginning of the pandemic. There were definitely times where we were like, mm-hmm. we're pretty sure these books are coming out this month, but mm-hmm. we can't guarantee it because they keep getting pushed. So, um, well, I can go ahead. Oh, so yeah. So for listeners, we will go back and forth, um, all of the titles in our show notes. Um, so you can, you know, get them that way. You don't have to like try and write them all down. You can go back and read through the list after the fact. Um, yeah, so we can go ahead and get started. I will kick us off with the fastest way to fall by Denise Williams. This sounds sounds so good oh my gosh I followed Denise on Twitter and I'm very excited for this one so Britta Colby works for a lifestyle website and when is tasked to write about her experience with a hot new body positive fitness app that includes personal coaching she knows it's a major opportunity to prove she should write for the site full-time as CEO of the fit me fitness app Wes finally has financial security he grew up without But despite his success, his floundering love life and complicated family situation leaves him feeling isolated and unfulfilled. He decides to get back to what he loves, coaching. Britta's his first new client and they click immediately. As weeks pass, she's surprised by at how much she enjoys experimenting with her exercise routine. He's surprised at how much he looks forward to talking to her every day. They convince themselves their attraction is harmless, but when they start working out in person, Wes and Britta find it increasingly challenging to deny their chemistry and maintain a professional distance. He's not supposed to be training clients, much less meeting with them, and her credibility will be sunk if the lifestyle fight finds out she's practically dating the fitness coach she's reviewing. 
Walking away from each other is the smartest thing to do, but running side by side feels like the start of something big. Come on. That sounds amazing. It sounds so good. And I admit I was a little bit wary of the illustrated cover trend, but I love this cover. It looks so good. (laughs) It looks so good. It is so good. Yes. The cover is great. I love that. It's like a body positive fitness app. And you can tell on the cover that she's not like a skinny girl. Um, Exactly. um, Yeah. I'm so excited for that one. This looks really endearing. And I think definitely a feel good read for the end of the year. 100%. 100%. So the first uh, book I want to mention is um, not quite as charming, but still (laughs) I'm so excited. Um, Gilded by Marissa Meyer. Um, This is a young adult kind of fantasy. This will come out early November, I think on the 2nd. Um, And it's a young adult retelling of Rumpelstiltskin, um, but it also has romance and the undead. So casual, (laughs) (laughs) but this is going to be exciting. Um, The cover is gorgeous, by the way. I, I, yes, this, yes, yes. It's so cool. (laughs) It's Um, so good. But this is going to be the first of a duology. Uh, which is exciting for um, fans. So this book follows Cyrilda and she is cursed by the God of lies. Uh, She can't help herself by telling the most exaggerated stories and lies. Like she just doesn't have any choice. It just comes naturally to her. So when she has an accidental late night encounter uh, with the Earl King, she claims to have the ability to spin straw into gold. And so the Earl King is um, sort of this like evil overlord type person who is in charge of the realm. And she seems to leave this like midnight encounter unscathed. Her lies didn't seem to do anything. They just kind of get her out of that bind. But unfortunately for her, she's kidnapped and taken to his castle and forced to prove uh, her claim that she can spin straw into gold um, or be killed for lying. So in a bit of a bind, she thankfully meets a really handsome poltergeist that lives in the Earl King's castle named Guild. And she's very lucky in that he can spin straw into gold. Um, So he agrees to help her. And of course, that's where things get complicated. Marissa Meyer, I think, is a household name for, you know, YA fantasy. She wrote Lunar Chronicles and Heartless. Um, And I think this intro to the duology sounds like it's just going to be so good. Um, And I wouldn't have thought a retelling of Rumpelstiltskin would have made me like so pumped. Um, But it just sounds like it has all of the elements. Uh, You've got a little bit of romance, you've got some, you know, stressful circumstances, fantasy, um, a villain. So I'm really excited for this book that comes out in a couple of weeks. I love the Lunar Chronicles and she does such a good job of taking, I mean, like fairy tale retellings are pretty common, but she always Mm -hmm. finds a really unique way to tell that story. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it does not surprise me at all that she would pick something like rumpled still skin and exactly <laughs> right. It's not, I mean, fairy tale retellings, I feel like are, are hard to do. And I'm really intrigued, um, 
to see her spin on this one, especially for a, a retelling of something like Rumpelstiltskin, um, which I don't think is as common I of a topic. No, I don't think so. Yeah, so that will be fun to see what she does with that one. Um, my next one is The Last Shadow by Orson Scott Card. Okay, I know Orson Scott Card is like a terrible person. I fully admit that. But this is the long-awaited conclusion to both the original Ender series and the um, Companion Bean series. And I love Ender's Game. And I've read the whole Ender's Game series. And Bean is one of those just delightful characters that shows up and um, was given his own series. And these, these like books kind of, you know, work in parallel together as companion stories and they're, they're finally coming to an end. Um, and again, I know Orson Scott Card is a terrible person, but also I love these books. And so I'm excited to see how he, how he kind of pulls these all together um, and finishes it all off and, and see how it gets, how it gets concluded. Exactly. I feel like sometimes the long awaited conclusion, you just got to see what happens after all this time. You got to give it a shot. Exactly. The next book I'm going to talk about, um, we're hopping all over the place. (laughs) So um, is The Every by Dave Eggers. And I mentioned this only because there's been so many interesting like pieces on it, um, you know, and there's been some buzz about it. This is the companion uh, book to his um, best-selling The Circle. And The Every is a pretty, I think, sharp commentary, um, you know, on a certain commerce <laughs> platforms. <laughs> social media sites, et cetera. So I feel like it's very topical. Um, so basically the every sort of picks up in that same um, environment of the circle where the largest e-commerce site um, combines with like all the social media networks um, and so on and so forth, this huge monopoly called the every. And the main character in this Delaney is a new hire at the every, um, she was a former like forest ranger and really skeptical of technology and all of those things. And she starts working there with the sole purpose of trying to take them down from the inside. And she'll like suggest crazy ideas of like an app that tells you when you're happy or, you know, features that completely disregard all privacy um, and listen to people's conversations and things like that with their smart speakers or their phones or whatever. Um, And it's a little bit shocking when some of her more far-fetched ideas are the ones that people at the every like the most. Um, And so this is, I think, a really interesting story, lots of unforgettable characters, a lot of really interesting commentary, you know, on some of these issues of social media, privacy, um, and all sort of told in that same style, um, you know, that he's known for. So this is out mid-November. 
Um, and if you are a fan of the circle, I think you'll maybe be horrified after reading the every <laughs> to see, um, you know, what, you know, social media and other, these other things might become. Um, for the record, I don't have any smart speakers <laughs> in my house <laughs> for this exact reason. Um, but it's definitely going to be an interesting, uh, an interesting book out soon. We also don't have any smart speakers <laughs> for that same reason. And I read the circle shortly starting after, like shortly after I started at overdrive mm-hmm. and <laughs> I mean, we, overdrive is not the circle, but there were definitely moments in the circle where I'm like, oh, this is just like a general, like tech companies do this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember in the circle, there's a whole thing about like how often you engage in their, um, like chat system or their internet or whatever. I'm like, oh, it's like Slack. They're like watching how often you're posting on Slack and are you posting it? I'm like, yeah, that it was a very weird experience just starting at overdrive. <laughs> exactly. And I think some of those things are very, um, just universal among, you know, like tech companies or like even corporate America. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is definitely going to be an interesting commentary. I'm intrigued to see what people think when this book is out. 100%. I'm excited for that one. Yeah. Um, my next one is A Marvelous Light by Freya Marsk. This is described as red, white, and royal blue meets Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norell, which... Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> That's such a good combo. Uh, so Robin is um, in a place in his life where he has just like so much going on. He is struggling to be a good older brother. He's trying to be a responsible employer. Um, but he's also kind of dealing with, um, his parents have recently died and there's some fallout from that. Um, and when an administrative mistake sees him named the next, uh, civil service liaison to a hidden magical society, he discovers what's been operating kind of like what's been going on beneath the life he thought he's always known and the reality he's always known. There's just like this hidden magical society, which sounds sure. So now you must contend with the beauty and danger of magic an excruciating deadly curse. And he's also getting visions of the future. There's also his cold and prickly counterpart, Edwin, who is his, um, works with him in this magical bureaucracy who clearly wishes Robin were anyone and anywhere else. So this sounds like <laughs> this, we're off to a good start in so many ways right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you had me at magical society. Uh, well, sure. I know. Uh, so Robin's predecessor has disappeared and the mystery of what happened to him reveals unsettling truths about the very oldest stories They've been told about the land they live on and what binds it. So then these two guys, Robin and Edward, are thrown together and discover a plot that is like threatening every mag- magician in the British Isles and a secret that more than one person has already died to keep. And so it's classified as a romance. I'm like, we got like enemies to lovers, magical romance in Edwardian England. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm all about check. That. Check and yeah, check. Right. All of them. <laughs> I will take all of them, please. <laughs> uh, that's it's, And it has a fun cover that um, is just these two 
male figure standing against a very pretty kind of patterned background. And it's part of a, it's the first in a series. I don't know how long the series is going to be, but there will apparently be more. We stand it. Yeah. <laughs> is that how you, I'm like, is that how I think the kids so. I think that's that how the kids say. Gosh. I think that's how uh, the kids say, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I really should just not uh, try to be hip. <laughs> I'm all for that. That sounds great. <laughs> oh, um, you've inspired me. I'm going to dive into the enemies to lovers book that I have uh, picked for November. Um, my goodness, I think I've just been on the biggest, um, I guess what I would classify as like spicy book talk kick all year long. And so I'm really excited for this one. Um, King of Battle and Blood by Scarlett St. Clair. She is a librarian or former librarian. Um, her other series, um, about the Hades and Persephone retellings, um, are I think huge and she's come back with a new series uh, that follows Isolde and Adrian and I'm I looked up how to pronounce all these names she's a very helpful pronunciation guide on her Instagram uh, so hopefully I don't butcher any of these uh, character names or location names um, but I applaud the creativity uh, with those. So this follows um, Isolde and Adrian, where Isolde, I love this, where it's a union um, of enemies, where they're trying to save their people. Isolde um, and her, her sort of kingdom and her dad are in this battle with vampires. Should have mentioned that first. Uh, we have vampires here. Sure. And um, Adrian is. Um, sort of in charge, in charge. He's the vampire king. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad um, that I'm just butchering this description. Uh, but anyways, she agrees to marry the vampire king, Adrian, to put a stop to, you know, the bloodshed, the war that's been going on for years and years between their two camps. And the whole purpose of her marrying him is to, again, kind of appease put a stop to all the violence. And then also with the sort of secret goal of, um, you know, becoming close to kill him. And in classic fashion, this is um, an enemies to the lovers romance. We have a really slow burn, uh, which I love uh, because as much as they are enemies, their chemistry is like palpable from the beginning. And uh, so, yeah, this, I think people who enjoy any of these sort of fantastical romantic stories that have seemingly been everywhere this year. Um, I mean, I know it's not anything new, but anyone that's, you know, into Sarah J. Moss, Jennifer L. Armentrout, like this same vein, I think you're going to, people are going to snap this up. Um, and the cover, I always talk about the cover art. The cover is gorgeous. Um, so this comes out at the end of November, King of Battle and Blood by Scarlett St. Clair. And I believe this will be the first of a new series um, for her as well. So what is there not to love? Enemies to lovers and slow burn. Uh, yes. Vampires. 
<laughs> like <laughs> there's, I'm like, I've said this again, there's check, check and check all the things. Yes. Uh, uh, um, and we love a librarian, obviously Scarlett Sinclair. Um, I'm like, I was going to say, if you're listening, we love you. <laughs> she might be, you but never know. Be. But if not Scarlett St. Clair, we love you. <laughs> she also has some amazing tattoos on her as I'm looking at her website and she's got some, some pictures with some. I, I would really like to be friends with her. I think. Yes. 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 Uh, agreed. <laughs> I think she would definitely fit in well with a lot of uh, a lot of our she... overdrive colleagues. Yeah. So if you are listening, Scarlett, please <laughs> let's be friends. <laughs> be friends. <laughs> um, my next one is the the perishing by Natasha. I think it's Dion. This is about Lou. She um, she lives in LA and in contemporary times, but then she wakes up in an alley in 1930s Los Angeles and she has no memory of how she got there. So I'm, I'm already sold. Um, and she is taken in by a foster family. Um, she's, she's young when she has like, you know, gone back in time somehow. Um, and she dedicates herself to her education while trying to put the sort of mysterious origins behind her. Like she has no way of getting back. She doesn't know where she came from. She doesn't really know, you know, no clue. So she goes on to become the first black female journalist at the Los Angeles times. And that's great, but things get a little weird when um, she befriends a firefighter at a downtown boxing gym. She has no memory of ever meeting him. But she has been drawing his face for years, which, uh, yes, yes, (laughs) you can't see my face, which I realize I'm just like my mouth is hanging open. It sounds so good. Yes, and so she is now convinced that at some point they must have met before, but she has no idea how or when. She's just like woke, you know, she just like woke up one day in the 1930s and has like built this new life for her trying to forget this, whatever past life she had. But then she starts getting these flashes from these different times and, oh, mm, it sounds so good. We love, I like the time traveling stories. I think they're so interesting, especially when they're, I mean, like putting that together, she's seen his face before, but how? But how she has no idea how, and just like meets. Yes, so good. And yeah, I, I I like the idea of just not just time travel, but just like waking up in this completely different time period, like not intentional time travel, like accidental time travel. Exactly, so. and I I do enjoy where there's like a little bit of that mystery to sort out while yep. all the other things are going on. Yep. Plus I'm obviously partial to the romance as well. <laughs> well that's always fun as well. Yes. Oh, which is so random because I think up till a couple of years ago, all of my recommendations were like Karen Slaughter, ton of French. <laughs> like we were so into mystery. And then it's really been recently that we've taken a turn into romance. And so I do enjoy when they combine. Yeah. Same. Combine same. In one. Um, that 
pick has inspired me. We'll just continue on the like time travel saga. I feel like we can't mention November books without talking about this one, even though it hardly needs any type of <laughs> press or promotion or anything like that. It is Go Tell the Bees That I Am Gone um, by Diana Gabaldon. Hope I said that right. I did look it up. <laughs> but I think that's right. I think that's right. Um, this is the next installment in the Outlander series. I believe this is book nine. And readers and fans have been waiting a very long time, I think seven years, maybe, since the last book came out. So a quick synopsis um, about this. We've got Jamie and Claire. Um, They were torn apart in 1746 by, oh gosh, and I looked this up, by the Jacobite Rising. And it took them a long time to find each other again through time. And they're now in 1779 when the American Revolution has put them in that same situation where their whole family could be torn apart. Um, So Jamie and Claire, and this spoilers (laughs) for people that haven't read the rest of the series, Um, but Jamie and Claire are reunited with their daughter, Brianna, her husband, Roger, and their children um, in North Carolina. And up until then, they had really thought that having their entire family together again was going to be impossible. Um, But so even though they're kind of in the North Carolina backcountry, they are still feeling the effects um, of the American Revolution around them. The tensions um, are rising. You know, everyone in their local area is just, you know, stressed. and like feelings and emotions are running really high. And so obviously as the Revolutionary War just sort of creeps closer and closer to their reunited family in this small North Carolina town, they're wondering if, um, you know, escaping to this particular time in the past uh, was a smart idea to kind of get out of their present. So I know like I could say nothing about this book and people that are really um, huge fans of the series. I know they've been waiting for so long to read this and are so ecstatic to see, um, you know, what comes next for these two characters. And of course, like there've been, I think a huge um, surge in fans because of the show. Um, So yeah, I think this will be a really good fall read, much awaited. We love a much awaited release when you finally get that next installment of a series. Um, And what I found was really interesting as well, a little tidbit about this book was the title. Um, Because I admit when I saw the title, I was like, oh, what does that mean? Um, That's an interesting title. And I guess um, from her website, she did say that... um, talking to the bees is a very old custom in parts of Europe and it's made its way to certain parts um, of the United States where you always tell the bees when someone is born, dies, comes, or goes. Um, And if you don't keep them informed, they'll fly away. And I thought that was such a cool like inspiration for um, the title because I I was like, go tell the bees that I am gone. What does that mean? Um, But I thought that was that was a really cool um, snippet. And yeah, this book is out end of November. I know people will snap it up. It's going to be great. It's going to be everywhere. 
I didn't realize it had been that long since the last one came out, but yeah, yeah like I seven years, mm-hmm. 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, granted, yeah, she's had a lot going on, I'm sure, sure. <laughs> with sure. The, the show and stuff. But yeah, I, I think um, that's a, a quite a long time for series readers to wait. So I know they'll be excited that they finally got this this you know on shelves soon. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Um, so my next one is completely different, but (laughs) it is, um, all about me exclamation point, my remarkable life in show business by Mel Brooks. So the legendary Mel Brooks has a biography or an autobiography memoir coming out and he's written it himself, um, all about how he got into show business. He, um, grew up, he's, he's 95 starting with that. So Um, He grew up in Depression era Brooklyn and has gone on. um, He's an EGOT. So he's got the Emmy, Oscar, Tony, and Grammy. Guy's done it all. Wow. Um, Right? Yes. (laughs) I think that list of people that have that is quite short. It is quite short. It is quite short. He is, of course, the creator of Blazing Saddles, Young Frankenstein, um, Spaceballs, the producers, uh, the, the musical. Um, and I, I love his movies. They're so like absurd and funny. And, um, I'm excited to get sort of a, a peek behind the curtain of, um, how and who he is and how he, you know, came to create these just really wonderful, marvelous things. There's an audiobook version. I'm pretty sure he narrates, um, which is probably the way I would imagine to read this book is with the audiobook if if Mel Brooks narrates it himself. Um, and the title, it, it does have an exclamation point, all about me, exclamation point, which is just, again, kind of delightful. So and this, I, I mean, I, I love a name drop, um, <laughs> but this sounds like there's going to be some anecdotes and some details on some pretty notable figures. Yes. I mean, Alfred Hitchcock and Gene Wilder. Yep. Um, just yep. to name a few. So this is that I'm like, that sounds great. <laughs> yes. So good. I'm very excited. Very excited. I think great. I just. I think I just read something too, that he is one of his other, I'm going to have to look this up on the fly because I don't remember. Um, he had come out of the film in the eighties, which was history of the world. And I think he is working on a history of the world part two, which um, I don't remember what the time span will be for this one, but it's just sort of like in that way that he does where he kind of um, pokes fun at things and and brings out just the absurd things that happened in history um a sequel is is in the works and i think will be on hulu so we'll see what he awesome yeah so good old mel brooks uh you highlighting this title has made me realize that i have selected no nonfiction picks that's okay (laughs) so you all can tell what i do not (laughs) normally read but I definitely second the audio version of some of things like this, especially yes. when authors read it themselves that I'm all about. 
I'm like, and in a, in a not segue at all, I can share my next pick, which is not similar in the slightest. Um, it's You'll Be the Death of Me by Karen M. McManus. It's a young adult thriller that comes out at the end of November. The author of One of Us is Lying uh, is back with You'll Be the Death of Me. I'm kind of obsessed with this book's description. Um, and kind of all things Karen McManus, One of Us is Lying, I know is just turned into a show on Peacock. Um, so she's definitely everywhere. But this book is described, are you ready? It's Ferris Bueller's Day Off, but with murder. Okay. Uh, no. <laughs> so <laughs> definitely not where I thought this was going. Um <laughs> but I love a good YA thriller. This follows Ivy, Mateo, and Cal. They used to be a super close trio of friends, but, um, you know, as high school happens, you know, life and all of those other things you're dealing with um, sort of got in the way of their, their friendship, and they haven't really been close lately. Um, so, yeah, all they have in common is just that they go to the same high school, Carleton High, And um, in this particular instance, the only other thing they have in common is what is going to be a very bad day ahead. So they all run into each other uh, one day at school and kind of decide that they're all just going to avoid their problems and play a bit of hooky, try to reconnect their friend group. Um, And so they just decide they're going to leave school. They're not going to go. And they spot another student skipping school that day and for whatever reason, decide to follow him to what ends up being the scene of his own murder. So things get worse for the trio when it turns out that they all have a connection to their dead classmate as well. And of course, secrets that they want to keep hidden. So it's very possible that their chance meeting and decision to play hooky was not by chance at all. So this sounds great. I'm obsessed. This will be out the end of the month. Um, and yeah, whoever decided to describe it with the Ferris Bueller's Day reference. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's unexpected. And yeah, it makes perfect sense with that description. Exactly. It's certainly not where I would have ever thought like, yes, please give me you know, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, but with murder. Um, But this is going to be a really good, I think, really good YA thriller. Fans of her other books, um, this is an obvious choice. And again, I don't know why, but like November, end of year, I always kind of get in that mood of like, yes, let's read some thrillers. Um, And for whatever reason, I think school in the fall. So again, this is a great pick. 100%. I love her books. And yes. So Ferris Bueller plus murder sounds perfect. That sounds great. Don't need anything else. (laughs) Yep. That's it. (laughs) Um, My next book is Noor by Nettie Okorafor. And uh, Nettie is, you know, an African futurist writer. She writes phenomenal science fiction. So she has a new one. Um, Anwuli Okawuduli prefers to be called AO. Uh, to her, these initials have always stood for artificial organism because AO has never really felt natural, and that's putting it lightly. Her parents spent most of the days before she was born praying for her peaceful passing. 
because even in utero, she was quote unquote wrong, but she lived and then came a car accident years later that crippled her even further. But instead of viewing um, her strange body the way the world does, which is freakish, unnatural, and even the work of the devil, Ao embraces all that she is, which is a woman with a ton of major and necessary body augmentations. And then one day she goes to her local market and everything goes wrong. So she has to go on the run. And while on the run, she meets a Fulani herdsman named DNA. And the race against time across the deserts of northern Nigeria begins. In a world where all things are streamed, everyone is watching the reckoning of the murderous and terrorist and the saga of the wicked woman and madman unfold. So this is a fast-paced, relentless journey of tribe, destiny, body, and the wonderful technology or the wonderland of technology that revels in the fact that the future sometimes isn't so predictable. So uh, Nettie is, again, she writes these books that sort of are often set in Africa and plays with technology and the future and all that can come good and bad. Um, And we have this characters who just, at least in this case, like AO and DNA are kind of outcasts in a way and go on the run and everyone's watching and oh, so good. So good. There's so much to love here. Um, And I, I love that like African sci-fi is really starting to gain more traction and more people are discovering it. That sounds good. I love that the the line where it was like, the future is not always predictable. I think it's never predictable, but (laughs) that sounds like a great book. And I agree with you. It's nice to see um, these things getting more recognition and traction and we're starting to see a lot more you know representation across all of these different genres yep the next book I can very briefly mention it doesn't really need much you know commentary as well um the wit and wisdom of Bridgerton Lady Whistledown's official guide by Julia Quinn uh is out November 9th in my opinion, one of the best things to come out of 2020, and there wasn't much, was the Netflix adaptation of the Bridgerton series. Um, and so definitely demand for all things Bridgerton has kind of been through the roof ever since. And so this is just like a fun release. It's definitely for people that are familiar with the series um, or have an interest in learning more about these characters by Julia Quinn, um, where there's sort of new commentary and takeaways on all of your favorite characters. Um, Some like behind, I don't want to say behind the scenes, but like extras to the series um, that I think is presented in a new and beautiful way um, by Julia Quinn. So I'm excited to see this book um, just to kind of get the little extra bits um, of a series that I think a lot of people know and love by now. That was, that was a big thing to come out of 2020. Wait, was it Very. 2020? <laughs> was it last year? It I don't even was remember. just anymore. last year. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it was the end of last year. Okay. So okay. definite crossover into 2021. Okay. <laughs> like time has no meaning anymore. No, I'm, I'm a bit 
much confused that we're talking about November 2021 book releases. But right, right, yes. Here we are. <laughs> here we are for sure. Um. So my next one is uh, Murakami Tea by Haruki Murakami. This is the Japanese novelist of books um, like IQ eight. Uh, 84 or not like you one Q 84 um the wind up bird chronicle coffee on the shore huge huge Japanese writer this is actually non-fiction and I guess um he has shared with fans that he has this like fast vinyl record collection of like 10,000 vinyl uh, records he's written books about being a runner but his true like outside of writing, his one big passion is actually collecting t-shirts. So this um, is a book uh, where he shares his t-shirt collection. Uh, in a lot of it is like band stuff, like Beach Boys concerts or um, the Springsteen on Broadway show in New York City. Um, and he kind of shares you know, along with the t-shirt, like photos of the t-shirt. He also shares kind of stories behind the t-shirts and, um, everything about them. I mean, you know, I have t-shirts that are quite old because they're just from a like particular period in my life where there's memory attached to those t-shirts. And, uh, I just kind of love this idea of like a literary icon, <laughs> Curry Murakami just having like a vast t-shirt collection that he's just like I'm just gonna share these with everybody <laughs> and- I, love, I love that though because it's such a different take you know and I think in some ways that's maybe more revealing than you know another route that you could take I I agree I mean I feel like 10,000 vinyl records is a lot and there's probably a lot you could understand about a person in their vinyl record collection or like their music taste and all that stuff. But there is something to be said about the clothes that you wear mm-hmm. and um, the t-shirts, especially if it's things like, you know, music. Um, one of the shirts that apparently inspired his short story, Tony Takani. Uh, and I, yeah, I think the cover is also very, there's a lot of really good covers this month. Mm-hmm. Um and this is one of those covers that is just perfect. It's like just perfect <laughs> for what is it is. Such a unique take on something. And we love, I mean, I love like a passion project or like a collector, um, especially if, you know, some of these things are, are nostalgic or things that have been, you know, sought out and sort of tracked down. Yeah. Um, this sounds like such a fun you know, little unique book. Yes. I'm like, we're really covering all kinds of topics. So there's a big range for everyone here. (laughs) It's a big range. Yes, absolutely. And in nothing like that, (laughs) my next pick, um, as you know, and are probably sick of hearing but I can't help it that she always has a book out when I come on the podcast is Penny Reed uh, has a book out in November Beard and Hiding this is out I believe on November 16th 
And it's going to be book four and a half of her well-loved Winston Brothers series. Um, so this is interesting that we're sort of diving back into that series, which has been concluded. Um, and we're visiting some kind of side characters, in my opinion, here that kind of are brought front and center. So um, this book follows Diane Donner. So for readers of the series, um, Jennifer Donner's mom, uh, Cletus's girl, I'm not going to spoil it. Her, the, yes, cool, good job, me. Um, <laughs> but we follow Jennifer's mom, Diane, who's recently divorced. And she's kind of a, a local, you know, beacon in terms of how you're supposed to behave. She's a successful businesswoman in her own right. She always has a full face of makeup, perfectly done hair, um, you know, is always dressed to the nines. And she's really well respected in this little, you know, hamlet called Green Valley um, in Tennessee. And after her divorce has sort of obviously left her really shaken, she's ready for a change and perhaps like a walk on the wild side, uh, which we love. And here you enter um, Jason Repo, a nickname Repo um, Doe, and he's a high ranking member of the Iron Wraiths Motorcycle Club, as you are. Um, so they have nothing in common. They really should avoid each other at all costs. Uh, but this is a romance book, so that's not going to happen. Um, they share one very memorable night together. And uh, it turns out one night together is not enough. Um, so this is like a, a romance. It's definitely a standalone. You don't have to read any of the other Winston Brothers books. Um, however, if you would like to get the full immersive picture, you can. Um, you can read the rest of the Winston Brothers series or her spinoff um, series that follows Cletus and Jen. And of course, I'm completely blank on the name of that series because I have not had enough coffee this morning. Um, uh, yeah, the mystery ones. Yeah, yes. I don't. <laughs> completely blank. Do you know that's so funny when you're trying to talk about something and then suddenly you're just like, I don't know a single book. 100%. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, so if you if you want to uh, sort of prep and get in the get in the right headspace for this book, there are plenty of other things you can read to prepare yourself. Otherwise, this is a complete standalone uh, romance. Um, the main characters are 40 plus, I think, um, which I personally don't see tons of, but I also don't seek it out. But I am really excited to see um, how the romance between these two characters um, sort of comes about. Um, they're really interesting characters in her other books and we only kind of get snippets there. So bringing them front and center, I'm excited to kind of see what happens there. And again, I love everything Penny Reed. I'm always happy to come back to the, the Winston brothers land. Um, and fortunately for me and other readers of her books, it doesn't seem like she's done with them either, despite the series <laughs> being over. Um, so I'm happy to even get this sort of side view of some of my favorite characters. Yeah, I think that's the thing about that book is that there's, well, that, that series and, you know, the town she's created is that there's so many opportunities for these side characters to, um, 
so many to get their own and yeah like I haven't read the mystery ones with Cletus and Jen but I did read Beard Science and you know Diane is not presented in the best way in that uh so I'm excited to kind of get uh, a, a better view of who she is um with with her own book oh it's solving for pie there you go the mystery spinoff um which we could also include in the show notes but just so that I redeem myself a little bit <laughs> okay <laughs> that's okay <laughs> um yeah that sounds good and we do we do love Penny Reed always and forever <laughs> always and forever um so my last one is all of us villains by amanda foodie and christine lynn herman uh it's um they co-wrote it together and uh again i'm just gonna read the description because it's so good so um Every generation at the coming of the blood moon, seven families in the remote city Ilvernath, each name a champion to compete in the tournament to the death. The prize is exclusive control over a secret wellspring of high magic, the most powerful resource in the world. Once thought long depleted. This year, thanks to a salacious tell-all book, the seven champions are thrust into a worldwide spotlight granting each of them new information, new means to win, and most importantly, a choice, accept their fate or rewrite their story. So <laughs> there's, there's so much here. <laughs> so we have up until now, this, like these seven families who compete in secret <laughs> for control of magic, just all the magic and then there's a salacious tell-all book about these families. And so now everyone's got like insider knowledge about the other families. And there's just so much, there's so much to like here. I can't even pick which my favorite part is. It is also the first in a series. So hopefully there will be more weird family magic champion things happening here. There most definitely should be. <laughs> <laughs> like... I love the first in a series. There better be lots more. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So, so good. So good. Is maybe a good segue to my last pick um, because we've got the second in a series. Um, The last book I want to talk about is Our Violent Ends by Chloe Gong. is the sequel to last year's release these violent delights um broken record but these covers they're stunning (laughs) as an aside so this is um a romeo and juliet retelling set in 1920s shanghai um so this world that was set up last year in the first book we return to uh, juliet and roma the two sort of star-crossed lovers of this series. So Julia has fully stepped into her role as the leader of the Scarlet Gang. Um, And she is trying to make Roma uh, believe the worst in her um, just to sort of free them from this, you know, star-crossed enemy rival type of situation that they've got. Um, And so she sort of sets up a situation to make Roma believe the absolute worst in her, that she has murdered his best friend in cold blood. 
Um, that's certainly a way to try and keep somebody that you love away from you. Um, and so Roma is grief stricken um, at the death of his best friend, Marshall. He's furious that, you know, Juliet has been let back into his life and, you know, created such chaos um, and certainly wrecked his heart. And he sort of swears that he won't make the same mistakes again. And as they're both grappling with their status in rival gangs, um, you know, all of these other things, there's a much larger threat that enters Shanghai and they kind of have to put all of those personal differences aside um, or face complete annihilation of their city. Um, so this, again, I'm so excited for the return, you know, sort of to this world of characters. We love a star-crossed lovers, in case it's not obvious, <laughs> love and enemies to lovers situation, especially when um, it's, it's, not, it's not a clear-cut path. Um, here we've got a lot of things thrown into the mix that cause uh, problems. So it's not like instantly smooth sailing. We have two enemies that have fallen in love. There's a lot of things they have to work through. Um, and then there's a lot of other outside factors they have to overcome. So I'm really looking forward to the next book in this series. Um, again, that was Our Violent Ends. And this is out mid-November. Um, I also really like Chloe Gong's presence on all social media. Um, so I'm eager to see what else she has for readers as we approach the release date. Yeah, I think I also follow her on Twitter, possibly Instagram. Mm -hmm. I don't remember, but yeah, agreed on, on all accounts. Well, that was a lot of books. That was a lot of books. There's a lot of things that we talked about. There's a lot of books. Yeah. November is going to be a good month for, uh, for books to come out. So, and again, we covered a, a wide range of topics and types. We really did. And we, I didn't even mention, there's oh. so many other books there are mentioned, but, um, yeah, it seems, uh, unfortunate in that some things I know got pushed. Um, but very fortunate for us that we have such a wealth of reading material in the coming weeks. Absolutely. Absolutely. So thanks Emma for coming on and sharing some November books with me. Thanks for having me, Jill. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode on overdrive.com and our library friends can purchase these titles in marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen Podcasts, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Jill Grunenwald and presented by Overdrive. To learn more, visit professionalbooknerds.com. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long messy and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? 
Did the Allied powers go too far in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon.